Welcome, welcome back to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I am Patrick, and with me, as always, my colleague, Jakub. Hi there. Hey, Patrick. Here to tell us all about the Salonis Execution Management System, Lars Reinkemeyer, former head of global process mining at Siemens and now vice president of customer transformation at Salonis. You excited, Jakub? Hell yeah. I'm excited too. Let's do it. The future of process mining is now. Today, you don't only mine, visualize, and analyze the data, but more and more you focus on the execution part of process mining, building proactive notification and alert systems, planning and simulation of your processes, and of course, automation of your workflows. Salonis, the leader in the process mining vendor market based on the Gartner Peak metrics, can offer all of that in its execution management system, so-called EMS. To tell us more about all of this, we have invited the Vice President of Customer Transformation at Salonis, former Head of Global Process Mining Department at Siemens, guest lecturer at UCSB and Stanford, and author of the book uh, Process Mining in Action, Dr. Lars Reinkemeyer. Lars, welcome to the Mining Your Business podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. Jakub, thank you so much for inviting me and really happy to be here in the future, which is now, and uh, sharing a bit of my experiences and my vision about uh, process mining execution management. Yeah, I, I'm definitely persuaded and sure that this will be a great episode for our audience. Um, in process and as a platinum implementation partner of Solis, we want to stay at the top of our game. We have to, honestly, if we want to keep up the pace with the best. Um, luckily with the EMS, uh, EMS is giving us much needed tools to keep the edge and always deliver to our customers the value that they are looking for. Uh, the number of changes and improvements that have been introduced in the Salonis environment in the last couple of years is really staggering. And it all really started with the much expected move to the cloud and it never really stopped there ever since. Essentially, each new feature exponentially increases the number of ways you as an organization can leverage the Salonis tool and process mining in general. But before we move into what Salonis offers now, I would like to step back a little uh, and look into what Salonis environment was offering in, uh, let's say, year 2014, the year you uh, have become the head of global process mining at Siemens. So Lars, looking back in 2014, what was even your perception of process mining? Yeah, good question, Jacob. If you jump on the time machine and uh, zoom back in 2014, um, cross mining was, was completely new. It was completely unknown. It was uh, to me, it was something which I thought, okay, what is this about? You know, and by that time I was in charge of business intelligence uh, at, at Siemens. We had established a huge uh, data lake where we used extensively data analytics. Um, which you would call today uh, um, Tableau, ClickView, you know, making these kind of reportings. But uh, I felt intrigued by the unique value proposition of process mining in the sense of understanding business processes. And when we started in 2014, we used it intensely as a kind of X-ray to get an understanding about actual processes, you know, not the way how you believe processes are happening and how you have modeled your process but really understanding how does my process happen in everyday's life. And uh, that was for us a, an amazing eye-opener when we started looking into logistic processes, procurement processes, and understanding the real complexity, the real activities, and, and the real challenges 
why those processes would not be performed as they were expected to be performed. And this was a starting point for us, you know, back then to um, use process mining and get this kind of discovery or switch the light on, on the processes and uh, to um, be able then to understand what are the pain points, what are the, the reasons for delays, what are the effort drivers, why does the organization not work at uh, full performance um, or full capacity since there are, you know, delays where you have uh, for, for stupid purchase orders for a simple mouse have 10 approval sets with people in this process don't know of each other and uh, where process mining allows to understand, oh, there is so much inefficiency since you have so many people approving the step there. And, and that was for us in, in, in huge eye opener, which we started 2014 and then for several years used it across uh, different processes in the, in the global Siemens organization. Now, when you first uh, saw process mining in action, did you have some sort of clear um, problem in mind or challenge that you were trying to solve with it? Or was it more an explorative um, venture where you were seeing, hey, what this, can this technology do and what can um, we find out about our own internal processes with it? Right. Yeah, I think it was more of a, of a learning journey, which, which we had there since, you know, I was at corporate IT, we had this technology and we were all excited about technology and we thought if we have a hammer, every problem is a nail. And, uh, you know, we went around and tried to, to tease everybody with that. But with the time, I understood that um, the more x-rays I did and, and when not really there was an impact, I understood that I have to understand first the pain point from the problem, uh, from, the, from the business process owner, you know, understand the problem. So um, with, with uh, the, the learning, we, we started talking with people from procurement and logistics saying, tell me, what is your pain point? What in this process has been a topic which you always wanted to understand? Where did you want to get transparency? And they coached us saying, well, it would be great if we could understand across 100,000 of suppliers, if we could understand duplicate payments, if we could understand in the process, the deviation between the payment term on the purchase order with all the confirmation, if we could hmm. understand um, maverick buying in a, in a purchase process. So they taught us, the, you know, the process experts taught us their typical processes where they assumed there were um, inefficiencies. And thus we uh, allowed us to calibrate our X-ray to allow them to find exactly the effort drivers, the uh, inefficiencies, and then start action on that. So it was a joint learning which we had to calibrate our technology to the specific uh, process requirements and help the business owners to make their processes more efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, I will slowly kind of want to tra uh, transition into this EMS uh, topic. Uh, but before we do, I guess also as you and organization in Siemens, you faced a lot of challenges. And I can assume that some of them will revolve around the principles that you lay down in your book, so-called three Ps, the purp uh, purpose, people, and process traces, uh, but uh, I will actually ask a question that uh, I have to say there was a, a comment under one of your LinkedIn posts where uh, a person asks, "Where did you where did you fail as an organization?" <laughs> right, and you know it's it's always an, an exciting question. Where, however, you know you, uh, you you tend to be cautious, saying, "Okay, um, what what failures did did we have there?" Um, since some people are are a little bit uh, might get annoyed at it, but you know, there's a couple of things which, which I'd rather call it uh, key learnings, which, which we made there. You know, like mm -hmm. the first part, first of all, saying um, it's not about the technology, it's about the people. It's really about understanding 
the people, how they work and uh, taking them along, getting them engaged and, um, and uh, making sure that with a decent change management, you excite people about this new technology and the new possibilities. You know, when they want to guide them uh, for, towards automation, people are hesitant, reluctant. And, and when we started, we, we failed in understanding this necessity to take the people along and, uh, you know, get them engaged and get them excited and get them on board. So uh, this is a, with a, with a key learning. Um, maybe, well, another topic, yeah, which, which probably is a, is a funny story, which where we failed is, uh, or actually failed, and I can admit that, is that uh, back in 2016, um, our CEO, Joe Keza, was complaining about the complexity in the organization. And I said, hey, this is exactly the topic which we can um, um, provide facts and, and data for measuring complexity in an organization, you know, and uh, the CEO had this whole program saying, let's uh, tackle on this complexity. And I said, I have a complexity monitor where I can measure exactly the complexity in each of the organizational units across Siemens and compare them and make benchmarkings and best practices and, and everything. And I, I failed, to be honest, since somehow I didn't get the, uh, the buy-in from, um, from the board. I mean, we spoke to a board member, proposed it, but then uh, it don't, didn't get the right attention on that and uh, to, to, to be scaled across the global organization. But I still believe that was a great idea, but we failed by that time, but it was a great idea to have a kind of complexity monitor, which allows an organization to get the transparency across the efficiency in the different departments, make benchmarking, and then obviously drive action based on that. So these are two examples where, where probably we, we, we failed uh, in, in a sense, you know, and uh, it was a whole learning, learning journey there also failed sometimes to get access to data, you know, since uh, mm -hmm. the idea of frost mining is obviously to have all these event logs. And sometimes we failed since um, our customers said, hey, can we have a huge combination of data from transactional systems, but also from Outlook and Excel and, you know, where you cannot get any digital traces. Uh, and, and, and there we, we failed on a couple of requests. Though today technology allows much more to get the different sources and also with task mining, being able to record what people are doing. So um, in, on that failure, we, we probably improved also with our technology and moving towards EMS and task mining. Mm -hmm. Today, we are much more capable than we would have been back in 2014. Yeah, so first of all, uh, it's very comforting to hear uh, that you in your organization and your, your experience were facing similar issues that we are facing on a daily basis with our customers. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's always the same. It belongs to the work, it belongs to the project, and it belongs to the process mining. However, uh, process mining in 2015 and even still in 2018 was different than what is it now. Uh, and uh, you you changed uh, companies. Now you actually work as uh, in 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 uh, in Celonis as a leading organizational transformation, really. And uh, I would like to know what is your job really now, <laughs> because. Uh, it's uh, what are you doing on daily tasks? <laughs> yeah, and before I answer that, maybe um, on, on the first point there, how the how the evolution has gone and what's been also yeah. a key reason for me to 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 change. You know, since um, what I've seen when we started with process mining was very much getting an understanding about processes and efficiency. So, in the sense mm -hmm. of discovery, insight, looking back and understanding, and then applying human intelligence to derive measures and activities. You know, and the, Celonis has evolved um, with execution management system towards a more proactive, forward-looking uh, approach, you know, which I found so compelling in the sense of saying, let's replace the human intelligence, but by, by artificial intelligence, let the system read the data 
and then suggest and propose to the people what they should be doing. And this is the whole idea of, ex of, of execution management systems to enable organizations by intelligently reading their data and then suggesting where they should get active and enabling them with execution apps to do these parts, you know? And this, is, I think, is a tremendous, uh, a huge uh, step forward, which for me was, was one of the key reasons uh, as a senior executive of Siemens to resign and join this exciting company mm -hmm. of Solonis. Now, at Solonis, I'm in the, um, in the service delivery And uh, as uh, a VP customer transformation, my mission is to bring in my experience, which I gained the last couple of years here, and advise companies on their transformational journey. And mm -hmm. uh, what this means is basically that on a day daily basis, I'm, I'm uh, working with companies, uh, supporting them in understanding how they can apply uh, um, our execution management uh, technology, but also what it takes to drive organizational change. And this is not only about technology. But this is also about change management. This is about operating models. This is about engaging the people. It is about building center of excellence. And this mm -hmm. is where I and my team have a strong focus, bringing in experiences, methodology, and coaching companies on making using the technology successfully, but also driving uh, process transformation across organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess uh, the, the challenge now isn't really the mining or the insights from process mining, but it's really the action. And this is also a topic that uh, Celonis is now really trying to address. And I'm just wondering, uh, knowing what you know now and having the tools available that we have now, uh, would there be some, uh, some, some topics or some, some problems that you had back in your Siemens career that you would be able now to address much better with the tools that you have at your hand? Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely, Jakub. I think on that I could talk half an hour. I mean, there's been so many oh, challenges starting from the technology side, you know, uh, where we spend a lot of time and effort in finding the event logs in those systems, which today with the standard connectors is so much easier. Um, it's still effort, but still, but it, mm -hmm. it, it has been much, much easier now to connect to the whole range of transactional systems, you know, like not only SAP, Oracle, Salesforce, Cooper, whatever you name it there. It, it, this is a wealth of technology which which has evolved there. Then the whole part of task mining, you know, being mm -hmm. capable to record activities in a call center and see what people are doing. So so activities which are not in transactional systems, but where they do something in email, Outlook, uh, Explorer, whatever, and record that, understand that, and combine those processes with the transactional data. Mm -hmm. um, on the whole part of uh, artificial intelligence and the uh, And standardization, you know, with execution apps where we have standard solutions on helping companies to process their purchase orders or customer orders in a much more efficient manner, which, which we were dreaming of a couple of years ago. Today, it's reality, you know, having a technology which understands the um, purchase orders and then provides uh, the users only with those information which are relevant, you know, so helps comp companies and the people in their daily efficiency by pre-filtering the relevant information and uh, feeding them with the right priorities and things to be done. Um, if it comes to um, action flows, you know, proactively mm -hmm. alerting people on, on those things and provide, presenting on a silver tablet everything which needs to be done. So there's, there's a whole huge range. And, and for me, to be honest, it's amazing to see this technology evolution. And it's exciting looking forward, you know, how just to anticipate what's, what's, what's still to come there. Um, so for the listeners out there that aren't familiar with the EMS, can you give them a little bit of an 
overview, a small little introduction, what it is, uh, the high-level concept behind it, and why it's beneficial to them. I know you've given some some examples of the things it can do, but just in more of a general sense, give them an understanding of what the EMS is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think the, the general understanding is that Salonis has grown 10 years with process mining, you know, this X-ray of processes. And this is our foundation. This is our asset where we also are unique in the sense of being capable to do this for huge companies with hundreds of millions of activities and the visualization of hundreds of thousands of different process variants. But this, again, is a foundation. The execution management system now is building on that. It's, it's the next step forward in the sense of having a focus on helping companies execute their processes smarter and, and faster and more efficiently. And, and this is the whole idea saying building on process mining on and a thorough understanding of how the process is actually happening, but then with an execution management system, being able with real-time data ingestion, getting that information, aggregating this information, and then providing the users with um, those topics and priorities which are to be done. So what does it mean in reality? Somebody from procurement um, does not need to look into process mining and look into thousands of purchase orders, seeing which are going to be delivered too late or which are going to be paid too late. But the execution management system is capable to detect this from the actual purchase orders and then present the users only with those activities or where they need to look into. Since uh, this is a purchase order which is to be paid today to uh, receive the discount. Or this is a purchase order which according to the current activities which we're seeing in the system is going to be probably too late. So and alert the user saying, hey, this is where you should be looking into since this delivery will be too late. And you might want to think about urgent actions to do something. So the whole idea of execution management system is to enable users in a smart manner with standard applications and with action flows and proactive support to do their job in a much smarter way. And then also to build on machine learning, artificial intelligence and predict, predict based mm -hmm. on the process mining data, which we have, what is going to happen, predict which delivery is going to be too late and then execute this part. And the vision which we have there is at this point in time, we're supporting users, but then also in auto-execute certain things where the mm -hmm. system sees, oh, this is going to be happening too late. Let me auto-execute uh, this ex ex uh, um, uh, fast delivery, for example, you know, or remove this delivery block. And, and this is where the technology gets smarter and smarter. And this is the idea of the execution management system. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the EMS is really uh, divided into a couple of parts. And uh, this is something I, uh, I looked at on uh, Solonis website. And basically, it has now these modules. And those are real-time data ingestion, process and task mining, planning and simulation, visual and daily management, and, uh, of, of course, action flows. Now, let's take a look a little at each of these parts. So you already mentioned this real-time data ingestions which really means that you can get the data from your entire process ecosystem into Selenis. Um, you said that there have been already some development that, uh, you know, compared to the history, the, the, the data transfers are simply way easier. There are so many pre-built uh, pre modules on how to extract them. And then uh, why is it so important or is it, is it necessary to do these real-time uh, extractions now and how does it help an organization to, let's say, uh, you know, have the data almost on a live basis compared to, let's say, on a weekly basis or a, or a daily basis when, you know, you can still think of, of process mining as a like business intelligence tool to a certain degree. 
Yeah. And then it goes far beyond business intelligence. You know, so what we want to do is uh, not only a kind of reporting, but we want to enable the organizations to execute things smarter. So the idea about real-time data ingestion here is um, that we provide a capability to take those uh, digital traces from any source system virtually in real time and thus enable organizations to do certain activities um, in, a, in a smarter smarter manner. For example, this is relevant if you are in a manufacturing environment. And uh, we, we're using Solonis uh, um, EMS and a couple of Siemens plants. And um, there the necessity is with real-time data ingestion to see um, where in my production chain is a bottleneck. Since uh, there is, uh, you know, something in the whole flow is a bottleneck coming up, getting this real-time data alerting and then being able to take mitigating action based on, you know, another example where real-time data ingestion is very relevant is in call centers. If you have in call centers, negative alerting, like, like Dell is doing this, hmm. alerting the um, agents there uh, real-time, what's happening, where the um, uh, delivery is delayed, what payment is coming up. So to have a 360-degree view on the customer and also uh, then some kind of prediction was going to happen so that the consultant can support the customer real-time on the phone in a much more profound manner. And this mm-hmm. is where we see the whole real-time data ingestion evolving. Mm-hmm. Now, now, when you say real-time, what kind of time frame are we talking about? Because, you know, the, the usual method is getting the, the fresh new data from that day during the night or something, building the reports and having it displayed the, the following day, if you're lucky. So if you're talking real-time data ingestion, how quickly could it be from the data point that has the bottleneck to somebody figuring out that something needs to be done about it. Absolutely, Patrick. And I think this is a, a very good question since obviously there is a whole chain in between, you know, and uh, since like uh, we also looked at the, at the latency of data replication from ERP systems in Asia, for example, where you have a natural latency from mm-hmm. the system, then the transmission, then the preparation and then the visualization. So it's a whole chain, which brings in a certain latency. And uh, to be honest, I think um, what always needs to be considered is for the use case, what's the benefit of real-time data availability? Since if people look into their daily purchase orders or customer orders, you might not need uh, uh, real-time mm-hmm. and daily update is, is sufficient. And to be honest, in my experience, the majority of use cases, which I know so far, are happy with having daily data updates mm-hmm. for um, the taking decisions and, and process improvements. Mm-hmm. Now, the part about... Real-time is really now that we are moving towards uh, a real-time where you have less than a second uh, of uh, a latency on, on showing the data and, and using the data. And, and mm-hmm. as I said, on those two samples with manufacturing and call centers, those are also environments where this is necessary, where there are specific use cases where the agent needs to have that data immediately on the fingertip to be, agent, to be able to advise the, the customer on the call, on the phone there. And that's why... We are heavily investing into this real-time data replication, also looking into Kafka uh, technology and enhancing our capabilities. Um, with uh, and there will be big, big announcements soon um, as we're taking a major step here to become more powerful on providing that that real-time uh, uh, replication and information. So what you're saying is that somebody could get an alert about, hey, there's something wrong on your assembly line. They could walk out the door and see it for themselves in real time happening in front of them. Exactly. That's the idea in the manufacturing environment to see in an assembly line real time, there is a bottleneck and there is material stocking piling up, you know, and this is real time alerting with push alert then being sent to the person who can go down and, and remediate that uh, problem. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, going on to the, the next topic, process and task mining. Now, um, how, how does this benefit a, a organization figuring out the small little details that aren't transactional? How does that benefit a, a enterprise? Well, I think the combination there and the power is to bring together the process mining, which is data from transactional systems like ERP systems, and task mining, which is data which you record, like, for example, in a call center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of, of, of task mining is to say, um, recording how does an agent in the call center process a purchase order, where uh, the person might be active in the ERP system, in Outlook, in Excel, in the uh, something else, you know, across different tools and uh, getting that kind of snapshot of this process. And the power is to combine the data saying, if I want to understand the purchase order processing across my whole system, I not only want to see what's happening in my ERP transactional system, but I also want to see what is a person hands on doing. And the power here is to combine that kind of process information, these event logs, from process mining and task mining, understand thoroughly the whole process and then identify again, where do I need to take measures? Or also in respect of benchmarking saying, why is a purchase order being processed uh, faster in a um, shared service center in one region compared to another region? What can we learn from the single activities? What best practices do we have? And how can we can coach and support uh, uh, our our um, shared service uh, colleagues to be more efficient, and, and this whole idea of combining process mining and task mining into one um, complete understanding of the actual processes a company is executing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, insulin is always the the main feature. The main center was the process explorer. Basically, that was the 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 main thing why companies were acquire uh, purchasing Solanis in their organizations to be able to visualize process. Uh, now, with all those features that are coming up, uh, isn't this somehow uh, leaving this process uh, behind while now you can basically have these actions, notifications, and essentially there could be users that uh, don't even, uh, that won't even need to use the process explorer. And uh, if this is the case, how do you still leave the focus on there or is it even intended? I think the Process Explorer is a very powerful tool and, and people in the audience who might not be familiar with the Process Explorer, the Process Explorer basically is the X-ray, is the X-ray image, you know, where you can see in this Process Explorer the actual um, process flows, the actual process variants, the actual process times. And I think this is very interesting for data analysts who want to understand what's happening, see the process variants, see the root causes for delay, you know. But um, in, in my experience, the, the biggest impact and the biggest uh, number of users is those people who daily have to execute purchase orders, customer orders, logistic processes. And there, if I look back at Siemens, out of these 6,000 people who were in our user community, uh, the minority was using actively the Process Explorer for going deeply in understanding the root courses. The majority was using more the um, our our um, dashboards where they could then get the right information, the fingertips mm-hmm. and start working with that. So what does it mean? Um, from the Process Explorer, we would see which are the customers which are sending paper and fax orders. And the people in order management would get a report where they can see, okay, these are the customers whom they need to talk to since they cost a lot of manual effort and rework, you know? So it's, it's this actionable insight, which is the important part there, which we focus on. And that's where 
um, we build on the Project Explorer, but rather present actual insights to the users, plus then also enable them with execution apps to do these things in a, in a smart and easier manner. So um, moving on to the planning and simulation part. Now, I was very, very interested about this when I, I heard about it recently. The planning and simulation, it, for the listeners, it kind of lets you model and simulate future state processes to understand the impact of decisions. Um, so can you give us a little uh, tease as to what it really does and what are the what-if questions inside the EMS? Yeah, the, the whole idea here about planning simulation is to say um, if if we um, if we would have an ideal process which really allows companies to execute at mass, maximum capacity, what would that look like and how far away are we from that? You know, and uh, the the approach which we're taking here is a bit different to traditional business process management companies. You know, there is other other companies which have a strong strong backhold on on BPM where they modeled the processes and uh, you know said this is how the process is supposed to be. And uh, that has been the core focus. Um, I, I don't really believe in that part. I believe rather in the approach saying, let me understand the actual way a process happens. Then let me uh, think about how the process ideally should be looking like. Then let me do a kind of conformance checking here and understand where are my biggest deviations through my ideal process and then take action to improve my process. So the idea about this whole um, concept of planning and simulation is to to plan the the ideal way how a process should be, but also with a clear understanding of of uh, matching the real life with this ideal planning and this simulation, and then see how do I get or what kind of measure do I take to uh, get to that ideal flow, you know, and uh, have a kind of conformance. So what we are, what we're providing here is the capability for companies to say, okay, currently my execution capacity is at 50% uh, on-time delivery. Even my planning, I want to go to 100% and simulate that. You know, how would the process be looking like? And then say, how do I migrate? How do I transfer to get to that vision? You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and this is the, the high whole idea of planning and simulation. Mm -hmm. How can you predict the consequences, I wonder? Is it just based on the historical data or how do you then uh, insert it into what is happening and predicting really the future? Well, predicting, I mean, predicting is more about, you know, saying um, and, and simulation here on the, on the simulation part is more about simulating um, the, the way how things are happening and then predict if, I, if my purchase order would always happen in that kind of form with that kind of process flow. How much time would I save? How much effort would I save? How much more automation would I have? How much more uh, customer satisfaction would I have if I could deliver more on time? And that's the kind of prediction and scenario which we're providing to simulate saying this is where we want to get to in order to achieve maximum capacity. But then also looking and comparing saying what's my current status quo? And, and then obviously the important part is always on defining actions, saying how do I get to my future state of efficiency there? And how can I track that I'm on the right on track there and improve my, my capacity or my execution uh, performance? Uh, in your book, you are mentioning that the conformance of the processes is somehow an underutilized uh, feature in general in process mining. And I have to say, I can confirm this as I also don't see many customers who are really looking more into conformance, but really more on this uh, action part of, of process mining. Do you think that this whole uh, planning and simulation part in EMS can maybe put a bit more focus back on the conformance? 
Absolutely. That, that, that's clearly the intention here, Jakob, to have um, a stronger focus on, uh, you know, or, uh, basically what, what conformance does is a build, build, a bridge the gap between uh, the, the, the simulation and the reality. You know, I think this is the power, the power which you have there in saying, okay, let me simulate my ideal purchase order process. Then let me with Celonis um, uh, identify my actual way how my purchase orders are being processed. And then let me see on the conformance, where are my deviations? And, and this is the simple approach there with the conformance checking to have a step-by-step approach saying, um, let's uh, see every single deviation in the actual process versus the target process. Where do I have uh, non-conformances? And the way how it's been, been used in several use cases is uh, then to go through and say, okay, there are certain non-conforming activities which are whitelist, which don't hurt, you know, which don't have a uh, bad impact. And then there are other non-conforming activities which are blacklisted since mm-hmm. they cause rework, inefficiency, whatever. So with this conformance checking, you can flag this out and then start getting active and, and uh, Immedi- remediating those blacklisted uh, uh, non-conforming activities. Mm-hmm. Do you see some uh, a barrier for a lot of users to get on board with a simulation of their processes when um, they suddenly, like numbers and KPIs appear, what would be in a year or a month's time from now, um, seemingly from like a crystal ball so sort of um, algorithm that figures this out, do you think there's some sort of barrier that would keep um, people from believing it? Um, or... Do you see um, it differently? Yeah, well, first, first, I see, you know, what I see is different user types. So the majority of our target group and users are those people on a daily basis who work with purchase orders and use our EMS technology uh, execution apps to um, execute just their standard purchase orders. Those are the core people, core focus here. Now, um, the barrier and the, the target group for conformance are more the people who are interested in process understanding, process analytics. And, and this is where the power comes in for somebody who in the past with BPM has been on the dry dock, so to say, just simul- just, just, you know, modeling processes and thinking this is the way how reality is. And, and now with uh, the um, simulation conformance checking, um, we enable them to match the reality, what reality looks like, you know. And the, the barrier, I mean, I was surprised that, um, to be honest, uh, I, I tried to uh, engage and excite many people there who were coming from the BPM side, and many of them didn't show interest, you know, uh, which, which was for me, maybe I failed there, you know, the failure which I had in my past <laughs> there, you know. Um, and, and some of them just told me, Lars, uh, you know, I, my task, my job description is just about process modeling. I just need to do process modeling. I said, Okay, but wouldn't it be interesting to see reality? And they said, no, I just need to do documentation modeling. <laughs> I said, okay, so I failed to evangelize you, you know. <laughs> Others who have a different mindset and, and who see this power and potential saying, hey, this is so exciting to see the reality matched versus my BPM model. I think this is where there is a huge, huge potential where they can use um, uh, uh, that and, and do this uh, conformance checking. And there, there's some people, but again, uh, in, in relation, if we look at the users, I mean, this is rather a smaller focus group of process experts who understand the power of uh, having real-time data match with model data. Um, but the vast uh, number of users is definitely across uh, standard, ex- standard applications. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a next uh, part of this EMS environment or ecosystem, we've got a visual and daily management. 
And in here, what we are supposed to get is to have ourselves delivered uh, some proactive insights, prioritize tasks, and so on. And I, I imagine that uh, back in the days, if we call, if we say it like this, uh, when process mining was a bit more, a bit younger, uh, we had a data analyst who was doing some work in the reports. Uh, and to get some insights, he, the, he or she, the data analyst, had to understand what what uh, they see, and uh, you know, click through the report and find the potentials for improvements. So now I imagine that Celonis is trying to go in a way to actually give them these insights somehow automatically. Could uh, could you walk us a bit through of more of these uh, thoughts behind this? Yeah, absolutely, and 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 this is exactly where. The direction which you indicated there with this uh, visual and uh, daily management, the intention is to bring in all our experience of 10 years learning from people in procurement, sales, manufacturing, logistics on how they work on a daily basis and providing them the right applications, the right data, the right insight where they can immediately derive action based on that. You know, So really providing uh, to hundreds of people in procurement a screen where they can see those relevant purchase orders which they need to act on right now to see uh, based on the process where are blocking points in processing and purchase orders which are to be removed and bring that up to the to the attention of the user. So here we're looking into a, a, a wealth of um, of uh, different standard applications and and um, insights which are used by by our customers on a daily basis where they can then immediately derive action. Uh, to, to take another example, um, we have uh, the, the execution apps for, um, for order management, where um, the app um, enables the people then to show them which customer orders are to be, to be looked at, which are going to be delivered too late. You know, so really providing actionable insights in a standard dashboard, in a standard app, and this is where also our apps got much more smarter. Since in the beginning, when, when I started, we customized these dashboards ourselves. You know, we tried mm -hmm. to understand, okay, what does the person need for daily work? And then we tried to provide the right information. Today, with all that experience, which Silonis has gained throughout the years, this has been provided as a standard since we know how does the company execute on uh, certain activities. And uh, this is what is provided then in standard uh, customized dashboards and, and, and easy to use across hundreds of people in an organization. So no more bookmarks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the, the art is always, you know, to, um, to have the right mix between standardization and, and customization, individualization. So, so that, that's obviously also possible. But uh, to have the biggest impact, you know, and to be honest, I always wondered why are there thousands of people processing manually purchase orders in an organization? You know, why does Amazon do this all fully automatically? So why not standardize the way how commodity uh, materials are, are purchased? That, that should be standard and, and easy and not with, with individual bookmarks and everything. But obviously, the technology is both paths, um, standardization or customization, depending on where the customer wants to go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, um, getting from these uh, from these insights for these individual users um, to to action flows. Um, now, this obviously comes in part with the the acquisition from Salonis of Integromat, I believe. Um, implementing these action flows, these actionable insights in a chain of actions to be done by either the system or the or, or the person. So, um, can you kind of give a walk us through what this uh, means for an enterprise and what um, Salonis does 
that is um, so magical. Yeah. And this is the whole exciting part there about, uh, you know, building a, a virtual companion, which has a certain intelligence to support people and what they do. So the idea of action flow is to have a proactive support for the users. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we started a couple of years ago with uh, the so-called action engine, um, which was customizable to send alerts to the users saying, this is the delivery which you, which has the highest priority right now. And uh, initially sending an email, you know, and uh, providing the information on the silver tablet. Today, this is done in a more intelligent form in the, in the apps where the users get an alert saying, this is the top 10 deliveries uh, which you should prioritize and uh, which you should execute. If you want to execute, just click here. And then the system um, would write back into the transactional system and execute whatever measures taken, like uh, an express delivery or customer information. So, so making it easier for the users to do their daily work. Now, the, the action flow um, is, is built on the Integromart, as you mentioned, uh, the acquisition, which we did, a great company, which um, is uh, very strongly focused on uh, having no-code customization for individual processes and flows. So what does it mean? Um, what we enable our people, our customers here, is that they have a very easy drag and drop interface where they can build their own action flows and processes. So for example, if they say, I want to have for my order, uh, purchase order processing, I want to get an alert from my ERP system, then I want to be sent an email, I want to have that documented in an Excel file, and then I want to take another action and form a colleague, for example. This is a typical action flow which a user can uh, by simply dragging and dropping those different input uh, fields, you know, like like ERP data and Outlook data and Excel data into a visual flow and uh, thus build own action flows uh, and customize them on depending on what, what they want to do. And the whole idea is to complement people that they don't need to open the ERP and the Outlook and the Excel and then send something, you know, but have the technology support them in doing that uh, in, a, in, a, in an easier manner, in a smarter manner. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is where, you know, I think this whole exciting part is in understanding how people are working, in enabling them to do their work in a, in a semi-automated manner. And then also in the future, um, have the intelligence in uh, alerting them or even auto-executing things. This is where, where our journey uh, uh, moves towards. Um, one of the features that ActionFlow and previously, uh, as you were saying, the Action Engine offers is writing information back into the ERP, into the source system. <laughs> Now, this is something that I have a very hard time of uh, coming to a customer and tell them, okay, so listen, we have this uh, process mining tool, great thing. And what we can do is actually write back information into your ERP system that they are basically guarding heavily. They are already Sometimes there are big struggles even to ask them to extract the data in the first place. And now, how do you change their mind about even writing back into the system? Yeah, Jakobin's yeah, right. It's not, it's not the first step you want to start with talking to your customer. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely something where it's uh, the, the more elaborate um, approach. Uh, and, and, and the idea, I, I think, and it's a, it's a huge potential. The idea here is to provide an execution layer on top of the transactional systems to provide an execution layer where the user in the Celonis interface gets those relevant alerts um, out of multiple um, transactional systems. 
and then can just click and say, I want to expedite this delivery and write back into the ERP system to make it happen and initiate the shipment via the courier mm-hmm. and freight forward. You know, that, this mm-hmm. is the whole idea. And I'm sure I'm convinced that this is the future, you know, mm-hmm. since uh, the, the term, the, the power here is to have one single user interface across multiple legacy systems where the users can execute things in a much smarter way. So this is definitely the future to come and where, where it's, it's moving towards. Now, reality, as you rightly say, is a little bit more hesitant. You know, yep. like uh, <laughs> we've been working with many customers, first of all, to get an access to the event logs to the transactional systems, you know, which is already uh, a, a big barrier to convince them that if you um, stick a connector to their system, there is no impact on stability, performance, whatever, which has been proven thousands of times, but it needs yep. to be proven every single time again. So this is the first challenge which, which you encounter there. Um, and then you build the trust and confidence, you know, where people see uh, at Siemens, we had 100 systems connected and it's worked smoothly. And people from Shared Service Center told us, okay, the impact is like less than 1% on, on performance, though you replicate thousands or millions of uh, activities per, per hour. Um, so, so that's where you build the trust. And then once you have that across a certain time, then the typically the t- IT guys also open and say, okay, I understand this concept of a transactional layer, which um, needs to write back into my source system. And let's try this. And there's a couple of customers right now where we're piloting this, where we're testing this and where it works well. And uh, I think this is, this is definitely the way how, how we're moving on and where the future is to have that uh, execution layer on top where people get active, initiate action there, and then write back into the legacy systems to execute the actions. Now, do you think there will ever be or rather soonish be a time where these actions will be defined and be fully overtaken by the by the system itself so that there's no more user intervention that has to click on any buttons, which um, to me sounds a little um, futuristic to say like some bot triggered something in this system and it gets sent to this system and then this bot automatically executes something else in a difference. It's uh, it, like the chain of um, automation there is um, very, very high. Absolutely, absolutely, Patrick. This is the future to go. And, uh, you know, my book in my third chapter, I try to give an outlook where Will van der Alts looked at it from an academic perspective. And I try to describe a, a digital enabled organization where the idea is to have like 80 plus percent of all commodity activities done uh, by the system with, uh, with, an, uh, with an intelligence, you know. And uh, today, if you look at companies like, uh, like, like Amazon, they ought to execute the majority of, mm-hmm. of those things which uh, traditional companies have a lot of uh, manual effort to do, you know, like processing customer orders, purchase orders, logistic deliveries. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that Amazon is, has got 10,000 of people of, uh, of processing the order which you, which you place online there, you know, but you wonder then why, does, uh, uh, why do so many other companies have thousands of people doing this manually? And this mm-hmm. is an evolution which we're seeing where I believe that uh, in the first step for those horizontal core processes like accounts payables, account receivables, this will be uh, uh, automated. There will be inte- uh, intelligence like, um, like the execution management system and execution apps, which will take over more and more of those activities, auto-execute this, and only um, you'll have an exception-based interaction from a human being looking into saying, oh, this is something which I need to look into, so this is an exception, or this is a something coming up here, popping up, but this will be less and less. And uh, which does not mean that they, they, there's no future for humans. I mean, humans will have a different role, you know, in, 
in, in customizing, calibrating this technology, um, putting it in place, doing intelligent data analytics. So it's shifting. It's shifting the, the, the work, but the mundane task where somebody clicks 100 times per day on processing a purchase order, I think this is not a future of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your book, uh, you lay down a foundation of something you call a digital enabled organization. Uh, could you tell us what do you mean by that? And most importantly, let's say that we have an organization that is, let's say, at this lower end of the digital transformation uh, and what it can do to reach that goal to become a digital enabled organization. Yeah, and I think this is a whole evolution of, of organizations which I have to go through, you know, and what I call the, um, the digital transformation or customer transformation, where also in my role as VP customer transformation, I have a strong focus on that. Understanding where is the company today in respect of automation and uh, process efficiency, and then seeing how can we support them in, in, in moving towards this digital enabled organization. So looking into um, companies which have a high number of manual activities on purchase, uh, customer purchase order processing, you know, mm-hmm. and then thinking about how we can identify the root causes for manual activities, how we can apply automation with RPA, batch processing, process improvement of execution apps, and then um, uh, coach them towards a digital enabled organization. And the digital enabled organization, in essence, is the, the idea to say that an organization leverages the power of digital and automation to a maximum. Yeah. So to really use execution management systems, uh, action flows, uh, use uh, process automation, but also use uh, maybe batch processing, RPA, so all the technology mm-hmm. and have only exception based uh, human direction. That is, that is the, the idea of a digital enabled organization where many of these standard processes are done really digitally and, and, and automated. In, in your book, you talk about the, the next big things to happen to the, the space of, of process mining. Now, we've also touched on, on this a little bit with um, predictive and proactive analyses, but would you mind sharing what you think uh, are the biggest things to come in the future, in the short term, midterm, and the long term? Yeah, I think, I think short term, it's, um, and, and when I wrote the book last year, it's, uh, it was really uh, <laughs> uh, anticipation, but, but already now we have many things like proactive alerting and uh, predictive alerting. So these action flows, which we have right now, um, these are things which, which already are available right now. Uh, so, so this is happening as, as an enablement. Um, in midterm, what I see there as, as a big thing is this whole cloud evolution. You know, like um, all companies now, understand the power of moving to the cloud, moving from on-prem to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And I think the cloud is not only a technical advantage of having a, a software as a service, but it provides vast opportunities. What do I mean by that? Just imagine um, that we're getting, as Celonis, more and more of our customers uh, processing the data in the cloud. And what we're building now is a wealth of knowledge about, for example, benchmarking. You know, um, so looking into the performance KPIs from different companies on standard processes and benchmarking them in an, an, an anonymous manner, but still comparing, saying, okay, how efficient is one company on purchase order processing versus other company? And what are the secret sources there? Why the one company is more efficient? So I think this whole cloud uh, offers huge potential on, on benchmarking and best practice sharing knowledge sharing, that, that's a, a big thing to come where we see a lot of potential. 
A third sample um, to, to briefly touch on is that I believe there is a huge potential for cross-company transparency. Mm -hmm. You know, just imagine if you take the supply chain of a customer and supplier where you have the event logs, where you can understand um, the, the actual processes and optimize the processes by driving automation, by driving process efficiency cross-company. I think that's a huge potential where also we have a couple of customers who are very interested in, in building that. Um, with the data in the cloud, it's easy to take the event logs from both companies, put them together, and then see, uh, identify root causes and, and, and the potential for improvement. So that is another big thing which is, which is going to come. You have me really pumped up for the intermediate future. It's, uh, this sounds all very exciting. Uh, but listening to this, there will be a lot of automation. There will be a lot of standardization. Uh, and I have to ask, as being a consultant, how does, uh, how do we consultants come into this picture when, uh, eventually a lot of things could be even automated and then, well, <laughs> less job for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, you know, the status of having majority of companies, 80% automated, uh, I, I will not see that. Maybe you'll see that before you retire. So, but it should, you should be safe as a consultant with having sufficient work on uh, coaching companies. You know, since, I mean, to be honest, it, what, what technology can do uh, to get this adopted in organizations takes, takes some time. You know, this is just the nature of business. Um, this whole transformation, you, you talk about visions, you talk about ideas and potentials, but then to bring it into an organization and, and getting this whole transformation and change management in place, this is a, a journey which takes, which takes some time. You know, the, this is where consultants like you are urgently required, you know, to bridge that gap, explain to the organization what they can do, advise them how they can do that, get their organizations adopted. So uh, I, I see a bright future for there and I wouldn't be concerned. <laughs> yeah. Also, Jakob, I must say when, when, um, when Lars mentioned the, the event log across multiple companies, um, my, my ears were perked. I, I know that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of um, <laughs> enabling and a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of work, let's say. So I, I think we're, I think we're fine. I see yeah, a lot of migrations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that should be safe, but just, just if you're on that, on that point, if you think about it, you know, the potential, like every company now is talking about supply chain resilience and supply chain resilience affects not only your own company, but also, uh, in many other companies, uh, uh, in, in front of you and, and behind you, you know, upstream and downstream. And, and if you take, um, that kind of event log and execution management across those companies, just imagine about the potential which you have there. And this is something, mm -hmm which will evolve. I mean, companies will need to be open and uh, to trust each other, but there is huge potential in that. And uh, if, if consultants like you just uh, steer that idea, you know, and, uh, and discuss that idea, I think that, that's already interesting. And then you'll find first companies saying, okay, maybe I as a Skoda, if I support with my Volkswagen, which is my own group there and build the bridges there, it could be a starting point, you know. So I think there's so much, so much coming up. So yeah, bright future. Yeah, I, I also I have to say that being in the front line and seeing how these uh, technologies are being uh, implemented and adopted, especially uh, there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, anyway, Lars, I really love the discussion, and I I have to repeat what I said at the beginning that the future is now already, and it's really exciting to be there and to see things happening and to transform the organization and have an EMS uh, of Celonis 
uh, backing us up on this journey. It's been incredible. Lars, thank you very much for, for joining our, our little talk here. I, I, I know that this will bring a lot of value to our listeners. And you, our dear listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoy our show, Minding Your Business. And if you have any question, just reach out to us on mindingyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are also very active on LinkedIn and uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any ideas for future guests, if you like to hear more stuff about specific topic, just hit us and we will be happy to share these with you. Lars, Patrick, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, uh, talk to you later. Thank you, Jakob. Patrick, was a pleasure. And thanks for hosting me in your podcast here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.